0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel Elmani. In verses 1 through 3 we'll see the work. In verses 4 through 24, we'll see the war. And then in verses 25 through 28, we'll see the witness. You see, God wants people to get saved. Um, He really does. And the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, how is that going to happen? How will people in Cambodia or India, Ethiopia, how will they be saved? Well, we need to be soldiers. We're going to see that today. You know, There's got to be a witness, but then there's got to be a war. People are going to get saved only when they're soldiers. And I think the only way we'll be able to cultivate a a soldier's heart is when we first cultivate a servant's heart. And that's where the work comes in. So the work, the war, and the witness servants, soldiers, and the saved. We see in verse 1 it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Here we read of the structure of the Medo-Persian kingdom. Uh, He mentions the satraps there. That's the title of the governors in the Persian Empire. If you go over to Esther 1-1 or Esther 8-9, what you find was then there were 120 provinces. And so you have these satraps or governors over all the provinces But then we read here in Daniel 6, 1 through 2 that these 120 governors were under three, it says, uh, presidents or those who would find themselves in a position of authority. And so we find Daniel, it's amazing how wherever he is, God raises him up to that place of leadership. And even among the three, again, you got 120, and then you've got three over them. But even among the three, Daniel distinguishes himself above them. And what that word distinguished means in the Aramaic, it means uh, he excelled. He was then preferred. He uh, became preeminent among the three. And uh, how did he do it? Well, it says right there in verse 3, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, notice, because an excellent spirit was in him an excellent spirit was in him you see and for us if we're going to excel in our work if we're going to excel in our walk then we have to do it by you know the spirit of god you know how many times i fail as a husband or as a worker why because i'm walking in my own strength we need to walk in the power of the spirit. You know Zechariah 4:6, one of our favorite passages. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Lord says, you're going to be endued with power from on high. Luke 24:49, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. I know I taught you a lot of stuff, but don't go and don't do anything until you are endued with power from on high. Luke 24:49. A lot of people they're spinning their wills. They have a lot of head knowledge, but they have no power. Daniel excelled because he had this excellent spirit. And we see he distinguished himself. As I mentioned last week in Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. That's a wasted life under the influence of alcohol. But it says be filled under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so, as Daniel's there, and he's at work, and a lot of times people think, well, you know, it only matters like when you're in the church. Like if you're working at the church, or if you're doing some type of ministry at the church, absolutely not. Wherever you go, wherever you work, that is your ministry. That's a mission field. I always tell these guys, you know, I pray for you that God would give you the right job, but not just to provide for your family, but that God would give you the right job so that you would shine in the darkness so that you would be a missionary wherever God places you. And that right there, believe it or not, when you're there and you're working, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You might be bagging groceries. You might be flipping burgers. You might be there on the top floor of that big building downtown. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, it is the work of God, and you need to do that work of God because it's a work for God. You're not working for men. You're working for God, and you need the Spirit of God to be able to excel. And when you do, I mean, oftentimes what we find is the case is that, man, God's going to raise you up. These guys are going to see the hand of God. They're going to see you, and there you are, and you're excelling, and you're going to get, you know, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, you're going to get promoted because of your work ethic. You know, there's definitely something special about Daniel. He was so devoted, so... He was then promoted, right? And the Bible mentions this principle in the book of Proverbs 22, verse 29. It says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. See, when you when you love the wisdom of God's word, then, you know, God raises you up. I like what it says in Proverbs 4, verse 8. It says, exalt her, speaking of wisdom, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. You see, by the Spirit of God, Daniel was wise, and Daniel excelled. And again, you guys, you know, not for all of us here, I don't want you to think, well, if I'm a right-on Christian, then I'm going to be the president of the company. Sometimes our bosses get mad at us because we're Christians. You know, it doesn't always work like that, but there is a general, it's not a blanket promise, but there is a general rule of thumb that if you work hard, And if you work for God, then your boss will see that, and he will promote you. Now, for some of us here, we don't want to be promoted, amen? We're like, hey, I don't want more responsibility, and that's okay, you know? You got to follow the Lord. You say yay, you say nay, that's up to you. But what I'm saying is that your boss will see it, and God will lead you and guide you, right? So what happens when you're there and the boss is like, hey, I like this guy Daniel. I'm going to put him over the whole kingdom. What ends up happening? As often as the case, the other guys get jealous, right? They get envious. And what they did here is they put their heads together on how they could bring Daniel down. And so we move from the work now to the war because the devil is trying to take you down. And so we read here in verse 4 that the governors and satraps They sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault, because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God." You know, and there's the promise. I don't know if you guys ever read the promise of Jesus in John sixteen thirty three In this world, you will have tribulation. You guys ever read that promise? Do you embrace that? <laughs> I promise you, Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tough times. But he says, be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. Whenever and wherever and in whomever the Lord does a good work, the enemy will endeavor to keep the work down or bring the worker down. Now sometimes what we do is we give the enemy ammunition, you know. If we're living in sin, if we're violating God's laws, the laws of the Lord, or even the company policies, you know, we give the enemy ammunition. That's what they're looking for here in Daniel. And so, you know, they were sure, man, there's got to be something here in his Medo-Persian responsibilities that he's failing in. And so they looked, and they looked, and they looked, and they looked, and believe it or not, they could find him doing nothing wrong he was blameless of course we know he wasn't sinless because the bible says in ecclesiastes 7 verse 20 there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin you know we all sin he wasn't sinless but he was blameless they could find no charge or fault. notice it says because he was faithful You know, I love the way that we read that there. And you know, guys, I I pray that that would be your goal. You know, what's our goal? Like, you know, whatever the, you know, you own a business or you're a pastor of a church or you're overseer of a ministry or whatever it might be. And it's like, well, what's your goal? You know, is it to get bigger? Is it to be richer? I hope that's not your goal. Our goal is, is so simple. Not successful in man's eyes but faithful in God's eyes. Faithfulness. That's all that will matter. You know, one day, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ, even us as Christians. For the non-Christian, they'll stand before God, according to Revelation 20, at the great white throne judgment. And if your name is not found in the book of life, then you will be cast into the lake of fire. That's the non believer. But the believer will stand before Jesus Christ at the Bema seat, the great Bema seat judgment. And he's going to judge our works and what we did and why we did them. He's going to judge our motives. And right there in 1 Corinthians 4, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards. This is all he's asking for. It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. 6. In verses 1 through 3, we'll see the work. In verses 4 through 24, we'll see the war. And then in verses 25 through 28, we'll see the witness. You see, God wants people to get saved. Um, He really does. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, how is that going to happen? How will people in Cambodia or India or Ethiopia, how will they be saved? Well, we need to be soldiers. We're going to see that today. You know, there's got to be a witness, but then there's got to be a war. People are going to get saved only when they're soldiers. And I think the only way we'll be able to cultivate a a soldier's heart is when we first cultivate a servant's heart. And that's where the work comes in. So the work, the war, and the witness, servants, soldiers, and the saved. We see in verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Here we read of the structure of the Medo-Persian kingdom. Uh, He mentions the satraps there. That's the title of the governors in the Persian Empire. If you go over to Esther 1-1 or Esther 8-9, what you find was then there were 120 provinces. And so you have these satraps or governors over all the provinces but then we read here in Daniel 6, 1 through 2, that these 120 governors were under three, it says, uh, presidents, or those who would find themselves in a the position of authority. And so we find Daniel, it's amazing how wherever he is, God raises him up to that place of leadership. And even among the three, again, you've got 120, and then you've got three over them. But even among the three, Daniel distinguishes himself above them. And what that word distinguished means in the Aramaic, it means uh, he excelled. He was then preferred. He uh, became preeminent among the three. And uh, how did he do it? Well, it says right there in verse 3, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, notice, because an excellent spirit was in him, an excellent spirit was in him. you see, and for us, if we're going to excel in our work, if we're going to excel in our walk, then we have to do it by you know the spirit of God. you know how many times I fail as a husband or as a worker, why because i'm walking in my own strength, we need to walk in the power of the spirit, you know zechariah four six one of our favorite passages, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord says you're going to be endued with power from on high. Luke twenty-four 49, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. I know I taught you a lot of stuff, but don't go and don't do anything until you are endued with power from on high. Luke twenty-four forty-nine. A lot of people, they're spinning their wills. They have a lot of head knowledge, but they have no power. Daniel excelled because he had this excellent spirit. And we see he distinguished himself, as I mentioned last week in Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, that's a wasted life, under the influence of alcohol, but it says be filled under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so, as Daniel's there and he's at work, and a lot of times people think, well, you know, it only matters like when you're in the church. Like if you're working at the church or if you're doing some type of ministry at the church, absolutely not. Wherever you go, wherever you work, that is your ministry. That's a mission field. I always tell these guys, you know, I pray for you that God would give you the right job, but not just to provide for your family, but that God would give you the right job so that you would shine in the darkness so that you would be a missionary wherever God places you. And that right there, believe it or not, when you're there and you're working, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You might be bagging groceries. You might be flipping burgers. You might be there on the top floor of that big building downtown. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, it is the work of God, and you need to do that work of God because it's a work for God. You're not working for men. You're working for God, and you need the Spirit of God to be able to excel. And when you do, I mean, oftentimes, what we find is the case is that, man, God's going to raise you up. These guys are going to see the hand of God. They're going to see you and there you are and you're excelling and you're going to get, you know, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, you're going to get promoted because of your work ethic. You know, there's definitely something special about Daniel. He was so devoted, so... He was then promoted, right? And the Bible mentions this principle in the book of Proverbs 22, verse 29. It says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. See, when you when you love the wisdom of God's word, then, you know, God raises you up. I like what it says in Proverbs 4, verse 8. It says, exalt her, speaking of wisdom, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. You see, by the Spirit of God, Daniel was wise, and Daniel excelled. And again, you guys, you know, not for all of us here, I don't want you to think, well, if I'm a right-on Christian, then I'm going to be the president of the company. Sometimes our bosses get mad at us because we're Christians. You know, it doesn't always work like that, but there is a general, it's not a blanket promise, but there is a general rule of thumb that if you work hard, And if you work for God, then your boss will see that, and he will promote you. Now, for some of us here, we don't want to be promoted, amen? We're like, hey, I don't want more responsibility, and that's okay, you know? you got to follow the Lord. You say yay, you say nay, that's up to you. But what I'm saying is that your boss will see it, and God will lead you and guide you, right? So what happens when you're there, and the boss is like, hey, I like this guy Daniel. I'm going to put him over the whole kingdom. What ends up happening? As often as the case, the other guys get jealous, right? They get envious. And what they did here is they put their heads together on how they could bring Daniel down. And so we move from the work now to the war. Because the devil is trying to take you down. And so we read here in verse 4 that the governors and satraps, They sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You know, and there's the promise. I don't know if you guys ever read the promise of Jesus in John sixteen thirty three. In this world, you will have tribulation. You guys ever read that promise? Do you embrace that? <laughs> I promise you, Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tough times. But he says, be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. Whenever and wherever and in whomever the Lord does a good work, the enemy will endeavor to keep the work down or bring the worker down. Sometimes what we do is we give the enemy ammunition, you know, if we're living in sin, if we're violating God's laws, the laws of the Lord, or even the company policies, you know, we give the enemy ammunition, that's what they're looking for here in Daniel, and so, you know, they were sure, man, there's got to be something here in his Medo-Persian responsibilities that he's failing in, and so they looked, and they looked, and they looked, and they looked, and believe it or not, they could find him doing nothing wrong wrong he was blameless of course we know he wasn't sinless because the bible says in ecclesiastes 7 verse 20 there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin you know we all sin he wasn't sinless but he was blameless they could find no charge or fault. notice it says because he was faithful You know, I love the way that we read that there. And, you know, guys, I I pray that that would be your goal. You know, what's our goal? Like, you know, whatever the, you know, you own a business or you're a pastor of a church or you're overseer of a ministry or whatever it might be. And it's like, well, what's your goal? You know, is it to get bigger? Is it to be richer? I hope that's not your goal. Our goal is, is so simple. Not successful in man's eyes but faithful in God's eyes. Faithfulness. That's all that will matter. You know, one day we're going to stand before Jesus Christ, even us as Christians. For the non-Christian, they'll stand before God, according to Revelation 20, at the great white throne judgment. And if your name is not found in the book of life, then you will be cast into the lake of fire. That's the non-believer. But the believer will stand before Jesus Christ at the Bema Seat, the great Bema Seat judgment. And he's going to judge our works and what we did and why we did them. He's going to judge our motives. And right there in 1 Corinthians 4, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards. This is all he's asking for. It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And here we see that Daniel opened his windows Because it was hot. No, I'm just joking. He opens the windows and he just prays toward Jerusalem, right? The holy city and the temple. And what he was doing was he was claiming the promise of Solomon that stated when he would pray, if anyone, you know, prayed toward this temple, that God would hear their cries. You know, and I was going through the book of Judges the other day and I was just reading about this cycle and how they would, you know, be disobedient. Then they would be disciplined. Then they would find themselves in despair. And whenever they found themselves in despair, it was then that they would cry out. They would cry out. And then God would deliver them. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself in despair. My encouragement to you is cry out. Pray. Cry from the deepest recesses of your heart. Don't let it be flippant. Don't let it be superficial. Don't let it be occasional. Don't let it be random. Let it be the heartbeat of your life. Let it be what sustains you. You know, not that you got to, but that you get to. The greatest privilege that we have... And we just need to remind ourselves is the fact that someone like me, a dirt clod, can talk to God, that I have access to Almighty God. And a lot of times we forget. When we pray, it's part of the war. You know, don't argue. That's what they want. You know, don't fight by backbiting. That's what they want. I want to encourage you to pray. Psalm 109, verse 4 says, In return for my love, they are my accusers, but I give myself to prayer. You know, you can't stop people from making accusations against you. Nothing you can do about that. You know, but I don't want, be careful that you don't go now into a slugfest with them. You know, you search your heart. Lord, is there any truth to it? If there is, you repent. If not, you shift gears and you sail on. You can't stop people from accusing you. But when they do, like we read here, just pray. You know, take it to God. And you ask the Lord for wisdom. You know, it's part of the armor that God describes in the book of Ephesians six, in verse eighteen, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. I mean, real prayer, right? Being watchful. It's the way we're watchful to the very end with all perseverance and supplication. We're praying for ourselves, we're praying, it says right there, for all the saints. And so what ends up happening? Or well, we read in verse eleven. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Wait a minute, have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within thirty days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Maids and Persians, which does not alter So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decrees that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, notice, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. And so the guys, they saw Daniel pray. They had many witnesses. And so they run to the king right away. And they say, Hey, king, didn't you say and seal the law that anyone who prays to anyone other than you would be thrown into the lion's den? And he said, Yes, it's the unchangeable law of the land and so they said well that guy Daniel um, that captive from Judah he doesn't show you the respect honor and veneration you deserve he's not living according to your law and there he is and even does it you know three times a day and so when the king found out it was Daniel um, he was displeased with himself he was deeply troubled and he tried his best to deliver Daniel um, in those days, and we see it also in the book of Esther, once the law was set in motion, you couldn't change it, not even the king. Not in Medo-Persia kingdom anyways. And so, you know, as a quick side note, I think it's interesting here that even the king couldn't deliver Daniel. You know, and, and for me, I, I think it's important for us to know that there is no man who can deliver you. There is no organization, there is no government There is no entity. There is no human. There is no person who can deliver us. Only God can. So why are you looking to man? Why are you looking to whatever it is that you're looking to for answers or deliverance? Lift your eyes. Look to God. See, we're going to see that's what Daniel does. And the Lord just makes it clear. I want you to know that it's not the king. And so when this happens, verse 16, the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and, and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lord's. That the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. You know, you nothing he can do. He says, "Okay, you guys, we got to throw him into the lion's den, right?" He's bummed, but he's bound by the law. And uh, you know, imagine that, you guys—we throwing him into the lion's den. I mean, anybody here can whoop a lion, just out of curiosity? There's none of us here that can, right? You know, and that's a crazy concept when you think about it. The king regrets his law, but interestingly enough, he bets on the Lord, kind of. He says, Daniel, look again there. Your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. You know, and this is a quick side note. Again, look at Daniel 6, and we're always thinking about the prayer of Daniel, and it's true, primarily about the prayer of Daniel. But here it's even cool to me. It's almost like the prayer of the king. Prayer of the king too, maybe. It's implicit there. He goes home. He doesn't have any entertaining music. You know, he doesn't turn on the TV whatsoever, right? Right you know he doesn't get a massage there's no comfort here he doesn't even eat and feast on any of his fancy food man and and we always go home hungry and we're like man just give me some food right he no what does he want to do he's not he doesn't sleep all night maybe he couldn't sleep maybe he wouldn't sleep what do you do when you can't sleep you should pray that's what this king was doing you know and it's so cool when you read this story right here and then, you know, he he waits until the morning, you know. And for them, they didn't have clocks, and so they just kind of wait for the rising of the sun. And when the sun begins to shine and the light begins to travel 186,000 miles per second, you know, the, the king runs to the den and he says, and he wants to find out, Daniel, how are you doing? Daniel is your God. Was he able to deliver you from the lions? And I just love the way that he describes Daniel right there. He says, Daniel, you know, you, Daniel, it says, the king arose very early in 19 in the morning and went in haste to the den of the lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And I'm just blown away at the witness of Daniel described by Darius. Notice again, as one who served God continually. And it's repeated again in verse 20. I mean, there's no ups and downs. There's no good days, bad days. There's, there's this consistency. There's this perpetually life of faithfulness. And you know, what a witness that is. You know, I'm not saying that we don't have days where we fail, we fall short. I'm just saying that there is not a day where I will lose heart, where I will go into sin with eyes wide open, where I will sin, you know, without even caring. No, I will, I will, I will walk with the consistency, and that's our calling. You know, my prayer is that we would take this and we would learn. God raises up these guys as examples for us, not just for information, but for transformation. We can live a life of consistent Christianity. We can serve the Lord continually. I like what it says in Psalm 71, verse 14, but I will hope continually. and will praise you yet more and more. You know, and that's important. Let me just note that. Don't lose hope. The devil wants to take away hope. This is a hopeless situation. Oh no, it's not. We as Christians, we do not lose hope. I will hope continually. I like what it says in Psalm 73 verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. I mean... You know, this is the way we serve the Lord continually. I will not lose hope. And I know, in spite of the things that are going on, I know you're holding me, Lord, because you love me. I know you're always with me. See, this is how we serve the Lord continually. I like what it says in Psalm 119, verse 44, So shall I keep your law continually forever and ever. I mean we got his word. A lot of times people complain against the church, against me or whatever, you know, cuz they're cuz they're struggling and oh, you know, you got to do something for us and you know, it, we've given you the word. You know what to do. Just do it. Just live it. Keep his law continually see and that's wisdom you know it's the call for us as Christians over in Luke 24 52 and 53 and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God you know and I remember when I first got saved um, you know I was always at church always there I was always there, whether it was a Bible study, whether it was cleaning or vacuuming or washing toilets. We know the midweek, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I mean, young adults, new believers, twice. I mean, I was always there. And I'm not saying that you have to always be there like me, you know, because maybe my calling was different. But I tell you what, man, I, I, they, they couldn't stop. I was so hungry, right? And, and what ends up, even now I'm always here. It's, it's kind of the same thing, man and but it's good the new the new testament christians they're always there the bible says they were always there in the temple continually blessing and praising god you know and so of course you have to ask god for what your schedule is but if you're just at home you know watching tv eating you know grilled cheese sandwiches or whatever you know maybe it would be better for you to to come to church you know what i'm saying I mean, Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. You know, always, just continually. And especially if you're here and you're a teacher, you're a pastor, you're a leader, especially for us. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You see, the, the king saw this in Daniel's life he saw his love for the Lord and he makes that proclamation of faith and then he goes and I'm pretty sure spends the night in prayer. And so what ends up happening is he wakes up and he comes to Daniel and he asks Daniel the question, Has your God been able to deliver you? And verse 21, it says, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take up Daniel up out of the den. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him. Notice, because he believed in his God. You know, apparently written within the code of the sentence was that the sentence was only required to be in the lion's den overnight. The king runs over, asks him the question, and Daniel says, you know what? God's delivered me. Imagine that. God sent an angel, and that angel closed the mouth of the lions, and he protected me. You know, I mean, God could have just spoke the word from heaven, you know? God could have just said, hey, you know, lions, you know, kick back, cracker jack, I'll put you in your box, you know, God could have just said it. But he sends his angels sometimes. Uh, some say that he sent his angel not just to protect Daniel from the lions, but to give him company. You know, I don't know. I mean, we see throughout the Bible, and we're going to see it in the book of Daniel a lot, how God sends angels. Sometimes I get people, random people, they come in and out, boom, and they pray for me or they do something. Or I've been on times where someone just come up to me. I don't know what you're going through i have a scripture for you isaiah 54 17 no weapon formed against you will prosper i can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and just randomly giving me that verse they don't know me and then they walk away and then i think wow i wonder if that was an angel And God protects us. Because sometimes we want to give up. But He gives us the word of encouragement. You know, God says, I'll send angels to protect you. You know, we have Matt up here, he's our security guard, just in case someone comes up and tries to beat me up. You know, he'll beat him up. But um, I'm just joking. God will give him supernatural Samson strength. God will be the one to protect, right? I mean, we have uh, Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Psalm ninety-one eleven: For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You know, we have angels. Hebrews 1, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who inherit salvation? And, you know, especially when you're a kid. But I wouldn't be surprised if it continues on into adulthood. The Bible, have you guys ever heard of the concept of guardian angels? Um, You know, the Bible says that the angels of these little ones, they see the face of God. I mean, there is just that protection there. The king was so happy for him. Uh, Daniel tells him how. He issues the command. They bring him up. And upon inspection, imagine that, there is like no injury whatsoever. The reason, he says, is because he believed in his God. You know, so someone reads the account and says, Well, wait a minute, time out. I've read the history of Christians, and, you know, some of them were eaten by the beasts, and they were killed. So why is it that God delivers Daniel here? And in looking at this, you know, what can I really come away with? And, and let me just share three things with you real quick. Number one, um, God is able you got to know that that God is able. If one day you're thrown into the lion's den, if one day you get that bad news from the doctor that you've got cancer, whatever it might be, you know that crazy situation that you just don't see any way out of this. You got to know God is able. We read that here in our text. The king's faith was expressed in verse 17. Daniel's faith was expressed in verse 23. God is able to deliver us from death when we believe and pray and exercise faith in him. And here we see the king and Daniel, they prayed. Number two, I think it's good to know that man is responsible. What if Daniel hadn't prayed? What if the king hadn't fasted? all night long. What if? See, we have a responsibility as well to pray. You know, when the 185,000 Assyrians surrounded Jerusalem, you know, the Bible says King Hezekiah just spread it before the Lord and he began to pray, God, help us. God, save our city. And then what ends up happening is God comes and he says to him, because you pray." and he sent one angel and he wiped out 185,000 Assyrians. a series. Well, what if you don't pray? See, God is able. We got to know that. And man is responsible. You know, we got to pray, we got to believe. Now, does that mean that we're always going to be cured from our cancer? Does that mean that there will be no Christian martyrs? No, that's not what that means. You know, man is responsible to pray, but man is also responsible for for sin and tragedies. Because of our choice there in the garden, we allowed those things to come in. God at times will intervene to save someone from the lions in a miraculous way, and He does so at times for His redemptive purposes. But generally speaking, He allows the laws of nature to run their course, a course that has been marred by the sin of man, but even in that, perfected and protected by the sovereignty of God. It's amazing we got to know this. God is able, man is responsible, and the devil is evil. Evil. You know, that's what this lion is. That's who this lion is. He, it's an evil that you will never even begin to understand. It is a darkness that is so deep that we will never even begin to fathom. This story right here, most of all, symbolizes how the lion, the devil, wants to devour us. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, you know? I mean, how many times have we fallen asleep? Like during the Bible study, no, I'm just joking. Now. You know, how many times have we fallen asleep where you know, we're supposed to pray or whatever, you know? get wake up he says be on guard you know be sober be vigilant because your adversary and the adversary in the greek language is like if you're a football player you're right here you know whatever right tackle you got the guy right there on the other side he's right there he's ready to go once that once that ball is hiked he is, he's just heading straight towards you your adversary the devil he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know who the devil gets? The ones that are on the outskirts. I mean, they're not like in. They're just kind of on the, on the outskirts. And the next thing you know, they're not in fellowship. Next thing you know, they're not in the Word. They're not open. They're just now open game. See, he's, he wants to devour. And does it ever happen? It happens. I've seen it happen. Many times. Many times. Right? But it doesn't have to happen. What we got to do, all of us, we've got to line up behind the great lion, Aslan. Have you guys seen the movie? (laughs) Isn't he a cool lion? Makes me want to watch it later. The lion of the tribe of Judah. You gotta line yourself up with Jesus. If you line yourself up with Jesus, you're gonna be okay. You know, when you become a Christian, uh, there's an element of protection. 1 John 4 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome him because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You know, we gotta be so careful, you guys, because, you know, this, you know, I don't know if you realize how real. The war is... I mean, maybe you're coming and you're like, I want to go to church and I want to have tacos and that's cool. You want to have tacos, maybe you're going to have in and out I don't know what you got going on. You don't know why you're here for sure. But man, this is real. This is serious. Look what we read next. It says in verse 24, And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them, and broke all their bones in pieces, before they ever came to the bottom of the den. And some of them might read that and say, "Well, that's not fair. Why, why the wives get, you know, thrashed and the kids, because of the husbands that are not leading their families?" Don't you? Don't you? You? Don't you know? That if a husband does not line him up with the line up with the Lord Jesus Christ, don't you know what that will do to your wife and your kids? Don't allow your wife to lead. Follow the Lord. Because look what can happen. of course, everyone has to make their choice. And I want to encourage husbands, you know, you pay attention to your wives and you listen to them and you love them and you lead them, but make sure you follow the Lord. Because this is the war that we're in. Again, we see the work, uh, we see the war, and then we end with the witness. In verse 25, Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you i make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the god of daniel for he is the living god and steadfast forever his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end he delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered daniel from the power Of the lions, and so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And again, you know, I just really thank you guys that Darius got saved. I really think that, you know, because I was reading the commentaries on this, and they're saying, Man, you know, homeboy has some really good theology, man. I mean, just beautiful theology, and uh, and this is what we find, you know, that witness when we work. Uh, Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, wherever we work, it could be a church, you could be flipping hamburgers, it doesn't matter. When you work under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and you war by the power of God, you know, and you're praying, you know, rather than, you know, going to the phone, you go to the throne. I mean, when you're warring, right, for the Lord, then you're going to be a witness and people will get saved. Saved. And I see it. And I see people getting saved. And I get so excited. I'm like, Lord, this is beautiful what you're doing. You know, he talks about what to do right there. He says, fear God. Tremble. Tremble, you know. I mean, that's talking about like Isaiah says, tremble before his word. I mean, there's got to be a healthy fear of God there. And he talks about not only what to do, but, you know, why. It's because of who God is. And he's so awesome. He's so wonderful. And if we do, uh, notice there in verse eight to 28, so Daniel prospered. So this Daniel prospered. You know, and I'm not talking about like you're guaranteed to be healthy and wealthy. I'm talking about a spiritual prosperity that God will grant you. Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. It says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit, notice, in its season. Not every season will you see it. But on your season, you're going to see fruit, right? Whose leaf also shall not wither. That's cool. That never goes away. And whatever he does shall prosper. Remember earlier I quoted to you out of Isaiah fifty four seventeen. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But you, you'll prosper. See, and that's why it's so cool to know the work and to know the war and to have the witness. If you look at it in reverse, as I mentioned earlier, people get saved because people are soldiers, because people are servants. All you got to do, you guys, because I don't know about you, man, but I can't beat up a lion. I can't lick a lion. Can you? You're like, yeah, I know Kung Fu sansu doesn't matter, man. I need Jesus to fight that lion for me, right? And you want to know something? He's already won the victory. I shared this uh, on a Thursday night, but I want to just share this with you guys in closing. You know, if you were to go to Rome, how many of you like to go to Rome? That'd be nice. If you were to go there, you could go to what's called the Roman Forum, and there you would see an arch. It's called the Arch of Triumph. And what you find is that God in Christ has given us that Arch of Triumph. You know, and, and what they would do in those days is kind of interesting. They even have today, if you go and you that Arch of Triumph, they even have their victory over the Jews. Uh, it's interesting. They have the menorah there. It's amazing. But what we find is that when the Romans would go out to war, uh, when they would come back, they would have a parade in Rome. And what they would do is they would take the, the general and before the general, they would put the general in a chariot and they would have a runner before him. Because remember, back then they didn't have CNN. Uh, they didn't have cell phones, right? They didn't have newspapers. They had runners. And you know what they would say? They would go and they would march throughout the city. They would run throughout the city and they would say, Rome has won. Rome has won. If their their battle was victorious, Rome has won. And, and, and that's kind of cool. That's what we do, huh? But we don't say Rome has won. What do we say? Jesus has won. Jesus has prevailed, right? We send that message out, right? And what we find is that they would take the general, they put him in a chariot, they would have the runner going before him to declare the victory, and then what they would do is they would take the opposing general, And they would literally tie him to the chariot and they would drag him through the streets of Rome naked. See, imagine the humiliation of that defeat for the opposing general. Well, for us, what we have to understand is this is what Christ has done over the devil. You see, the Bible says he's disarmed him. The Bible says that He's made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What we find in when it comes to this whole thing is that the enemy has lost his glorious uniform. He's been stripped with his medals. He's humiliated and dragged throughout the dust. Satan is a defeated general, but only when we're in Christ. And so, my prayer to you, my prayer today for you guys. Is that you would know that victory as we're cast into the lion's den, as we do warfare in different days and different ways, that we would have that victory by placing our faith and our life completely and totally, more than ever before, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. Lord, for just your word, Lord, and it teaches me I want to be a better worker. I want to be a better warrior. I want to be a better witness. Lord, I want to win souls to you. And I just pray, Lord, that today you would work in every heart here, Lord. I know most people here are our Christians already. Bless them in just the victory that they have in Christ. And help us to abide in you, Jesus. But I also pray, Lord, for any here today who maybe don't know you and they're not Christians. Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. And I pray that today they would know you love them, that you died for them, and that all they have to do is turn from their sins and trust in Jesus, who died on the cross and rose again the third day, and they can be born again. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you don't know if you're a Christian, you don't know where you stand, but you, God's just been working on you. God's been calling you. God's been drawing you. It's something that only God can do then right here, what I want you to do is I want you to pray this prayer. You pray it to God, and you mean it from your heart, and it changes your destiny. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord, I come to you today, and I admit I have sinned, but I turn from my sin, and today I trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your love and the power of your Spirit. Help me to live life as a Christian from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.